This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hey everyone, welcome into another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern, joined as always by the man himself. It's Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, how are you doing today, man? Tyler, I'm doing great. Good to talk to you. Um, I'm sitting here wiping tears out of my eyes because of our conversations that we've already had before you hit record with our with our guests. So it's going to be an exciting morning. Uh, super, super happy to have this gentleman join us. I've, I've known him for, God, I don't know how many years now, 15 years probably. And uh, I was able to to twist his arm into coming on and uh, we're happy to have him on. So you want to make your grand introduction. You do it so well. Well, I will, uh, I'll do my best to introduce him, but we're going to get to know him over the next uh, you know, 30, 40 minutes or so anyways. But his name is Jeffrey Gittimer, and he is an author, sales expert, uh, all things, uh, all things expertise in the world of sales. And so his latest book, I believe, is Go Live, Turn Virtual Connections into Paying Customers. You can find that book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, BAM, Books A Million, uh, all of these different uh, places. But Jeffrey, thanks for joining the podcast. Welcome, sir. It's a pleasure, Tyler. How are you? I am doing well. I'm doing well. And full disclosure, Jeffrey and I already have a bet on the upcoming uh, football season uh, uh, on the uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles. And so uh, my... No, no, uh, my- no. They are the piece of crap cowboys. <laughs> you misdefined them. They're the fourth quarter losers, cowboys. It's amazing. You know, my, my dad is from New Jersey, and we, we go up every so often to visit my grandmother, who still lives there, and we'll listen to Philly Sports Talk Radio um, while we're there. And it is, uh, it is just an incredible experience because it's so different from Dallas Sports Talk Radio. And, uh, and to be honest, I, I, I just love it uh, because you're – Everyone there is equally uh, equally angry about everything, and uh, and uh, one, everybody wants everyone else to get fired uh, all the time, and it, it it was just an incredible experience. And so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, who wins this bet. If you have never been to a sporting event in Philadelphia, you need to go. People will buy if you have your Cowboys jersey on. People will buy two beers, one to drink. One to spill on your head, <laughs> and, and they they mean it. They they, they mean it. It's it's not a you know. Oh geez, I'm sorry. No, it's like dude, boom. There you go. What city of brotherly mug? Right. Yes. I, I remember years ago, Sports Illustrated had a a um, cover story, and that was the title of it with a Philly hockey player on it, the Flyers. Oh yeah, I love it. Well. Jeffrey, thank you for, for coming on with us this morning. Uh, you and I, um, I was just kind of thinking about it this morning of how I originally uh, bribed you into meeting with me. And here, you know, 15 years later, I've, I've been able to do it again. So uh, I must yeah, have some kind of... Check. I'm still waiting. I, I, I check the mailbox every day. Nothing. Hey, is co- COVID has the mail slow. Give it time. Oh. It'll purge through. It'll purge. But uh, no kidding. Thank you for taking time with us. Um, I love the the way that you bring together life and stories and people and call BS on stuff when you mm-hmm. feel it's appropriate because um, you just have a knack for doing that. I guess that's your Philly background. And I think the older you get, the more liberties you take. I, I yeah, I, I'm yeah. So we're we're all three a little bit different in age. With Jeffrey being a little more seasoned, I'm in the middle, yeah. and Tyler being a young buck, and uh, 
So he probably has to be a lot more restrictive than you. Yeah, I think I have t-shirts older than Tyler's. Um, <laughs> I love the one you have on right now. Somebody sent, yeah, thanks. Somebody sent me an Emmett Smith jersey. And I don't have a fireplace in my place in Charlotte, <laughs> so I can't use it to start a fire. But my daughter just bought a house and it has a fireplace. There you I go. All sit around the fireplace and burn the Emmett Smith jersey because we're all Eagles fans. <laughs> So I, I can't I can't promise that this will be the last uh, Cowboys Eagles conversation we have on the podcast today. But I did go to Emmett Smith's last home game as a Dallas Cowboy before he spent that that final year uh, playing for the Cardinals, and it was against the Eagles. And uh, so we're there, we're watching the game, and down a couple of rows and kind of off to our right, we see kind of a skirmish breakout. And I'm waiting to see if it's you know you know who's I assume it's a Cowboys and an Eagles fan getting into it. But the amazing part was that it was, it was actually two Eagles fans fighting one another um, at at <laughs> there in the in the stands. And I I just thought that that was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Um, and uh, and just you know once again just goes to show in the Philadelphia uh, Eagles football stadium there's a magistrate and a jail. <laughs> no shit. Oh, yeah. You can be adjudicated and put in jail in two seconds. They drag your ass out. They put you in front of the judge. The judge says jail time, and you don't get out. Well, see, that is a perfect segue into relationships and why they matter. Because if you take your buddy to the ball game, you should not battle with them. (laughs) Because one of you has got to drive home. That's all I'm saying. So, All right, Goodermick, tell us some some really cool stuff. I love – I love the fact of the whole T-shirt story. I love the karaoke. Uh, I love uh, all, all your stuff that makes you you. And all you know, when I read, I, I'm so freaking worn out from from books that say the same crap in a different way. Um, but when I read your stuff, I love I love the antidotes that you put in there and the real life examples. I think most people miss so. How and why does that stuff resonate so well? Well, I grew up in the 70s in my selling career. I grew up selling in Manhattan and literally most of the time cold calling. And they didn't have the same kind of barriers that precluded you from getting into a building. But I never cared about that anyway. I would just take the freight elevators up to wherever I wanted to go. And people would say, how'd you get in here? And I would say, well, I took the freight elevator, doesn't everybody? And they would say, well, all right, come in. And that's how I would get into somebody's office that I didn't know. I didn't want to be announced. I wanted to come in unannounced. And that's the real challenge, Greg. What are you doing that's slightly different from other people? And the answer for most is nothing or not enough. So you have to be decidedly different. And that takes a little bit of creativity, and that takes reading books on creativity. Yeah, I, I think that when, when I hear you talk about being different and doing enough, and what comes to my mind is when you write a list, you yourself in a book, you have nine things that you want to get across to your reader. You always have nine, 9.5 because... To me, that little bit of extra detail is where the sauce is because a lot of... Right, it's the glue. 0.5. Yeah, a lot of people hit the nine and then they're done. 
But what's that one extra step? And and I love the one extra step in everything you do motto for me. Because if you're willing to do the one more email, one more phone call, whatever, one more usually puts you over the edge. And it's usually the person that you least expect. I think I've made, I, I, I can count sales in the millions of dollars that I've made before 8 o'clock in the morning and after 6 o'clock at night. Think about that. You know, I mean, that's, that's a challenge that's just not going to go away. Most people are nine to fivers and they lose. Yeah, I, I always think about when the good enough become good enough, and it's not because there's people that are willing to get up and go and stay and dig that are going to make a sale, a problem go away or whatever after you throw the towel in and, you know, go have a cocktail. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a good cocktail, but you got you to gotta get out and hustle, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, one of the things that we have in common that salespeople have a fear of is how much is it? And for me, I always wanted to be the highest price guy. And one of the reasons I loved you immediately is that you're a high price guy. And when you're in that league, when you're in that category where it's, it's quality, not price, it's value perception, not price, you win. Well, I think it what it does is takes you, for me, it's always taking me into a different market because I was able to go after the people that I wanted to go to work for and not hoping the hell that somebody called. You know, I, I remember having our, our meetings, uh, company sales meetings, and we would focus on who we wanted to work for, not how many fires could we put out on the damn telephone pole hoping someone called. And I think that selective mentality allows you to focus. It allows, it always allowed me and still does to learn my potential customer. I can put an hour into reading about this lady before I go meet with her, as opposed to, holy shit, I've got another call, bam, 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 bam. It's just a different mentality for me. Totally. When I was cold calling in New York City, I didn't cold call. I made targeted cold calls. I knew prior to that plane landing, exactly who I was going to meet with, and I was prepared for every one of them. And that's what that's what makes the sale. The more prepared you are, the easier it is for you to get the customer to want to buy from you. One of my trademarked phrases is people don't like to be sold, but they love to buy. And when you put that into context, when you're in a selling situation, you create the atmosphere where the other guy wants to buy from there, you develop a reputation so that now if I go into a, a big shit's office, a CEO or something, I'll sit down and go, do you want to buy now or you want to hear the pitch? And they go, well, I, we're pretty much going to do something, Jeffrey. I say, great, let's go eat lunch. Why do I want to pitch somebody that's already bought? You know, the, the quote that came to mind for me while you were think, while you were saying that was your one that I enjoy called most people aren't willing to do the hard work to make the sale easy. Um, I've, I've often thought of that when you're doing that one more revision where you're looking up that one more part or whatever, you know, my world and your world are different as far as what we do. Um, but it's that like extra little sauce. And I always think that, you know, like, okay, I got 10 more minutes that I could go screw off or I could spend doing something that'll help my ability. And I always found that to be beneficial. So, um, in a book, 
And my next to the last book that I wrote called Get Shit Done, I took the writer Orison Sweat Martin, whom I have admired for a long time. I have a book of his in my library. It was formerly owned by John Patterson, the founder of the National Cash Register Company. The book is in my possession, but really it belongs in the Smithsonian Institute. And John Patterson underlined about 50 passages in the book, one of which is never underestimate the value of the use of spare minutes. And so this guy has confirmed exactly what you said 110 years ago. And in 110 years ago, there were no diversions. You didn't sit down and watch TV. Your phone didn't go off. You weren't, whatever it was, the only thing you could do 110 years ago was drink or procreate the species or do business. <laughs> and how's that for cleverness? <laughs> and um, that's the challenge. That's the challenge that you have today. There's so many diversions that it almost precludes people from honing in on what they're supposed to do or what they need to do or what they know they should do. Well, you said it in our, when we were talking before we, we hit record uh, about the, the attention span and, you know, that's a direct derivative of way too much stuff in our mental, on our mental radar to worry about, to go do, you know, like we're all busy for sure, but it's so difficult, um, for a lot of people, and all of us are guilty to a degree, of being able to really chop up those days into useful chunks of time. Um, and it's kind of like a, a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Sam Frowine, uh, told me uh, he thinks of life in 90-day chunks. He doesn't look at the whole year. You know, he looks at it in bite-sized morsels. What can you get accomplished in this amount of time? And I always, I think... We differ. Hang on one second. Let me share something with you. I think about life as today and tomorrow. I'm, I'm too frazzled. If I made a 90-day plan, I can tell you the amount of times I would achieve it. Never. Because I don't look at life in terms of that. I see the project, like I have a book due. I know when it's due. I know I have the discipline to sit down and write. But in the morning, I have a discipline. And I do my discipline every day, and that allows 90 days things to just fade away. And with the advent of this, for those of you who can't see, this is your smartphone. Everything has changed. You have your entire world right in front of you, and the games you play, and the texts you receive, and and then on into the night. This can occupy you till forever. So I'm I'm curious uh, as you know. Your career has developed from from uh, targeted cold calling in Manhattan all the way through today. Obviously, there's been a lot of evolution of society. What? Wh how? How have people changed? Like you know, you, you've always been a high performer, obviously, because you get up and go after it. What about the general public? Have have they become? Have we as a people become more complacent? Um, what what have you seen in a in and I'm talking sales folks, marketing folks, those kind of people. What what's your take on that? Well, I think you have to define it by generation, because I was taught to be the hardest worker on the planet and to take responsibility for myself, and I did because that's what my parents did. But 
my group of parents had a bunch of kids and they spoiled the crap out of them and they gave them everything to a point where the kid had an expectation and literally felt entitled to stuff. And that made it harder for them to work hard. Their parents screwed them up. It's not like these kids didn't know what they're doing. No, the parents are the ones that are at fault. They spoiled the, you know, oh, you need a new car? No problem. You need to go to a better college? I'll pay. You Oh, you want to go to Europe for a year? Yeah, let me let me make sure that happens. That's the bullshit. And we're, we are facing the backlash of that as these kids go into the marketplace. And social networking has changed everything. I mean, literally everything. To a point where you're more concerned with what the evolution of your reputation is socially than you are physically. Um, as you know, I have a young daughter. She just turned 12. She has a, an Instagram page. She edits videos. She's got 2,000 followers. And the other day she came in and said, hey, Dad, how many interactions do you have in your on your Instagram? I said, I don't know, Gabrielle. She goes, I do. Uh, you have about 28,000 interactions. I go, wow, pretty good. She goes, you want to know how many I have? I said, sure. 300,000, Dad. Okay, she's a freaking 12-year-old little kid. What's going to happen to her at 15? Just 15. They have an understanding that we will never have because they were born with a phone up their ass. And I, I, I bought her an iPhone at age four. Why not? They know how to use them. They're fiddling with them here. And I, the guy told me, this is the youngest person that's ever, what do you mean? You think these little kids aren't playing with their mother and father's phone? What are you nuts? The only reason people haven't bought it is because their parents are cheap bastards. So I, I went and bought Gabrielle an iPhone and she's had one ever since. Now she has two monitors on her desk. The desk is one of those desks where you can either stand or sit. It raises and lowers. That took us a day to build. And she has a, a keyboard that lights up. She has a, an iPad, an iPhone, and and a laptop. She's rolling, technologically rolling. She's got more than we'll ever have instinctively. Okay. So she edits these videos. And she edits in some kind of, I don't know, advanced editing program. Maybe it's Adobe or something. What you know what it's called, Tyler? Adobe Premiere. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't, if you told me what it was, I'd, I'd say, okay. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you this. When she was, when, when my studio guy came back to film me, this is a very advanced guy. He said, Gabrielle, what do you use for editing? She goes, oh, I use this, this, and this. And he goes, seriously? How did you learn how to do that? Answer, YouTube videos, instructional videos. She is, you know, they don't, no kids don't need a manual anymore. And she follows people that are famous for nothing. That have 25 million followers. <laughs> That's crazy, seriously? isn't it? I'm not even going to mention their names because they're just, I mean, it's, it's like family drama bullshit. Yeah. Or somebody who puts makeup on. Um, and they have millions, not hundreds of thousands, millions of views 
within an hour of them posting anything. Yeah. Well, you you know that it's so amazing. And you, your new book, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, I can't well, tell us a little bit about it because I know you delve into that in the book. So when the pandemic started in March of 2020, I decided I was going to go live every day on Facebook just to help sales guys have a little lesson every morning, kick them in the ass, you know, make them feel good. So I, today was day 412. I've been live every day for 412 days, 9.59 in the morning. The show has taken on a name. It's called The 9.59. And people from all over the world watch every single day like clockwork. I've become friends with tons of them. And the challenge that you have when you're, when you're doing something like this is not just are you doing it, but are you doing it consistently? And is the message helpful or is it a sales pitch? I can also tell you that doing that going live every day, I decided that I was going to do um, a program about selling called The New Normal. Because as the pandemic wanes down, sales guys are going to emerge. And if they don't understand that their life is now half video and half virtual, they're nuts. They're absolutely nuts. And so I created this course. I teased it a little bit on the on the morning show. And I said, hey, if anybody wants to buy it, um, just go on the wait list. I launched a show. I launched the show to six figures in sales the first two days it was up. All from being live online. So I would say there's plans to continue that. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I'm going to you ever get those emails um, at, in October, November about have your best year ever next year. You're going to you, here's my formula. It's only $199. I'm going to I'm writing a course right now called have your best decade ever. Why does somebody want to have a good year? You can have 10 years. That's a good and point. That's, I mean, if you're, if you lay the foundation properly, it's going to rock. Um, so I'm, I have all the criteria for it now. It'll be another six figure seller and people will love it. And I'm, it's 100% video, Greg, 100% video. Well, the thing about that too, is you're given a roadmap of the future and not just for four quarters. So as people start to embrace it, you know, and you're in quarter three, you're already looking at, at the next year, you know, like you're not thinking about, okay, I'm coming up on the end of the year. I'm done. Cause by then you're in the habit and, and that's what you want. And it's got legs for you. Sticky. Um, I think that when somebody says this is the start of Q3, I don't even, I, my brain can't process that because I wake up in the morning and I work my ass off and I don't know. I half the time, I don't even know what day it is. You No. I mean, I, I like to work, you know, because. Well, but where you are on Saturdays, you're going to see a lot of businesses that are closed. Yes, that is true. But, you know, you you and I talked a long time ago about what what is your your recoup and your replenishment day. And for you, I believe it's Saturday. You you take Saturday and then you're doing prep work Sunday and, and then rolling the rest yeah. of the week. And um, but my day is flexible. No, I get that. Because I remember when, when Gabrielle was a baby, you know, you would do 
strollers and walks and whatever you guys did. You went to the DQ there on South Boulevard, I believe, back in the day. Yep. Um, <laughs> and uh, but you always made time for both. Is my point. And I, I, I love the fact that we live in a time now um, that your your day can be blended with work stuff, home stuff, friend stuff, wife stuff, whatever. It doesn't have to be so darn segmented of eight to five, nine to six, whatever, because that's not how the stuff happens. That's correct. And because of my um, global, I guess, uh, persona, people call me from all over the world. They don't care what time it is in Charlotte, North Carolina. They call. I mean, I literally this morning I got a call from England at three o'clock in the morning. They don't care. They're up. So um, some people who have my stature might go, the hell with that person. I'll wait till the morning. I fake like I'm awake. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> and that way people have a feel, you know, I mean, they wanted me. They're calling up. They need something and they probably have money. Yeah. Why would I well, not take it? Why would rule I number one, if somebody's trying to give you money, take it. Exactly. So. And my dad had an addendum to that rule, and he said, what, first take their money, then figure out what you got to do. Exactly. Say yes, and then figure out how. That's exactly. good stuff. It, it, is, it is funny. Part of uh, One of the businesses that I'm involved with is also international time clockwise. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I find myself in here on a Zoom call at 11 p.m. because that's where it's normal for them. You know, it's a daylight time for them. So. Part of do the what deal. you got to do. Part of the deal. Um, yeah. I'm as long as I'm still working, I'm not going to quote take it easy. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give it my best shot all the time because I don't want somebody saying, "Well, you know, he's a little old. He's not working with the same intensity in it." But the kid who came to shoot me two weeks ago in our home and you know, lighting and all the other stuff, and I have a studio, as you know. Um, after the first 10 videos that we shot, he goes, you haven't lost a step. Now, what nicer compliment can a kid give you than that? Well, I think it goes back to being focused and, and knowing your material and having done your homework and being yeah. prepared. You know, it's, it's, Well, there's another secret, though. I love what I do. Exactly. When, when you love what you do, you're not pissed off about it. You know, you're not, well, I've been doing this for 22 years. And I don't care how long you've been doing it. I want to know how happy you are. You know, it's so cliche. You know, you hear people say, well, you know, find your perfect job and you'll never work another day in your life. Yada, yada, yada. I, I, I get that. But I live it. You know, I'm very fortunate to get to do what I like to do, which is figure out how to get heat out of buildings or heat into buildings, whether it be for people, air conditioners, uh, data centers, whatever. I, that's just what I like to do. And I never feel like I'm I'm struggling to go to work. You know, I, I look forward to solving problems. I look forward to working. And, you know, it, it's, it goes back to that other thing, though. Um, my wife and I had this conversation the other day about it's hard. Um, and I think Vaynerchuk said it. Uh, it's how can you expect people to work like an owner, like you do, if they're not part of ownership. So I thought about that was a pretty strong statement. 
But were then, there how many F-bombs were in that sentence? You know what? None. I can't believe that he has he has addressed his F-bombing because he's on LinkedIn now. So he's not as verbal as he once was with that uh that that drop. But you know, the other thing is not using yourself as a measuring stick against other people because the, what drives you to get up and do your discipline writing every morning or, you know, what, what Tyler does is get up. I mean, look at him. He's a fashion statement walking and what yeah. drives him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's what drives him to look good is different than what drives you to look good with, you, with your, with your uh, shirt there. Um, yeah. I'm but, on autopilot with looking good. I, um, the challenge I think that anyone has is, do you look good and are you comfortable? Yeah. My growing up years, my father always used to say, son, neckties strangle clear thinking. <laughs> and so I always looked at it as kind of, you know, with disdain. But my, I grew up in a funny household. And I grew up in a in a very realistic household outside of Philadelphia because that's life. Yeah. Most people are pissed off. One day we were driving to school and my best friend was the captain of the football team and we'd pick him up and it's raining and be traffic and all kinds of crap. Otherwise we would walk. But my dad would take us when we, when it was raining and somebody's beeping the hell out of my father's beeping the hell out of him and they're swearing. I go, pop, you okay? He said, son, I don't get ulcers. I give them. I <laughs> <laughs> what what did he do? He he was in the garment industry. No, my dad manufactured kitchen cabinets and countertops. Okay. He gotcha. had about a hundred employees, and then sold his took his company public, sold it, and then did mergers and acquisitions for about six or seven years. So watching him as a kid growing up and. How, how did how did the interaction of him and his employees back then how how does that compare to what you see nowadays was was he was he a Philly owner uh, like get your A in gear and let's rock and roll or oh, was totally. he it totally yeah. totally um, I my first day of work on my father's factory and understand I can build entire kitchens with my hands and tools I'm one of the I'm one of the few Jews that can swing a hammer. And um, Tyler, get, make sure we bold that in the uh, quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be very prominently displayed. Yeah, well, people will want to tune in to find out if I really, really can. Can he? Um, but I worked in the factory and set all of the production standards before I took over running the place. I could do anything on any machine. And so if an employee came to me and said, I can't do this, I said, dude, I can do this. You're fired. Gotcha. <laughs> Very matter of fact in New Jersey and in New York and in Philadelphia. Very, very matter of fact. People think it's rude. It's not rude. It's matter of fact. Big difference. It, it saves time. Right. I, I try <laughs> to be Charlotte when I go to New York. So I'll go into a Starbucks and go, hey, how's it going? What do you want? I'll have a... I get it. Where I'm currently residing, you know, it's complete opposite for me from being a Southern guy coming into a, uh, a, uh, a Northern heavy, Southern 
Lord. Yeah, yeah. So I'm upside down, but it's pretty comical. And you say please to somebody, they look at you like you got nine heads on you. So, um, but pretty, pretty comical. Um, Tyler, you you hear Jeffrey? You read some of his work. Uh, anything popping for you in that in that well coiffed head of yours? Huh. Well, I, I suppose. Yeah, um, I the the hair is is hanging on. Um, no, I, I I suppose the the question that that I have or the thing that I find interesting is that Jeffrey, I suppose when you started your career, you know, you could only be selling to or talking to whoever you were talking to at that moment in time. Your your audience was was always one, right? But now by creating right in front of me, one on one, right? But now creating content and the way you're doing things on Facebook and you've written books and. Um, you have podcasts and, and do all of these sorts of things. I, I suppose, do you see that as multiplying yourself in, in that now you're able to, you know, be on 24-7 and, and essentially be doing your job 24-7, even if you physically aren't doing it? Right. Your platform creates virtual awareness, whether you're sleeping or awake. Um, when I, and I, I'm, Crumpton will know this exactly, but I would get sales leads from the Thomas Register. <laughs> and it was like 15 volumes of shit that weighed 5,000 pounds. And you had to have one. If you were calling on anything industrial, you had, you had to have one. And I can recall that once it, once the, the internet came about or technology blew up, you could now get the, the Thomas Register on a disc. Yep, CD oh, back in the day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Same register, but you could get it. So technology has evolved to a point where anybody, me, anybody can be virtual, can have a platform in two seconds if you have an iPhone or some device that is kind of like an iPhone. Well, I think that that's what um, really accelerates people you know you because because of that that compounding ability you know you get a follower and then whoever's following that person sees them follow you they have a look they have a listen they have a read the content is there greg yeah well yeah you, you get one shot right yeah one yeah so how has this internet uh digital world that we are currently in and and will be forever don't, it's not ending how has that affected your physical book writing because i still like to read a hardback book how how is that for me zero um i'm going to write the book first it'll be physical before way before but i also record the book in audio and yeah. i have an ebook at the same time because everyone has a different way of reading right. or a different reason for it but i mean i'll go on the airplane and i have a hundred books on my ipad yeah can you imagine trying to drag five books if they were physical books? Now, sometimes I'll take one book with me just because I like the touch of it. Yeah. I'm like you. I like the feel. I like to flip the page. Yeah. I mean, I, I still order, you know, I got like right here, you know, so the last book that I bought this week and, but I like the physical, I like the physical touch, but what's interesting. I, I got a friend of mine who, who lives near you in Charlotte, actually, um, he was telling me about a book that he recommend I listen to and not read. And I'm like, really? And it was the Matthew McConaughey Green Lights, I believe is the name of it. I'll have to look mm -hmm. at my text. But he said, don't read it because 
the way this guy tells a story, it's so much better to have him present the book. I've never really thought much about it, of listening to it, because I've listened to some of your stuff because I consider you a friend. And mm-hmm. I like to learn different ways of, of hearing information. But for this 50-year-old guy to tell me that I should listen to it, I thought, wow, that that is a big change because he's a physical book guy as well. So I guess we're all kind of adapting. Yeah, I want to throw one more thing out to your audience. As a historian, and you've been in my library, so you know what I've got, um, the original author of a personal development book was a guy named Samuel Smiles, a British guy. And in the 1850s, he wrote Self-Help and Character. He wrote a few other books, but those are his two benchmark books. He's known as the grandfather of this. So I have the books and I've read the books. And it turns out that his granddaughter went back in history to find out who he hung around with and wrote a book called Samuel Smiles and His Surroundings. And she documented all of the people who would come to his home or he would go to their home. Keep in mind, it's 1850. You got on a freaking horse. And if it was raining, you got wet. And um, but he had he surrounded himself with brilliant people. And as a result of it, had brilliant thoughts. Pretty interesting. That really is. You know, you always hear your uh, different people quote different numbers. I think 74 and a half percent of the people would agree with his statement, by the way, um, which is another one of my favorites. <laughs> um, that you're kind of like the the melting pot of the five people you hang around the most. And, and I always think about that. And um, I come to the conclusion I probably need to hang around more people because I struggle with that. <laughs> What happens is you become complacent and you stop building your network because you're comfortable with the people that you love. Yeah, I mean, that that's so true. But I'm also jonesing to get back out on the road because I've been pent up. You know, like I used to travel a lot, go visit our companies and my friends and our customers. And it's like, you know, you've been in freaking jail and you're about to get paroled. So I'm super duper excited. Exactly. And Tyler, on a personal note, next Monday, I'll be landing in Dallas. It'll be my longest flight in a year and a half. Ooh, bam. Um, I will have, uh, I'll probably, because I'll be in, in Terminal C, I'll probably have, um, uh, what's the name, Dickie's Barbecue, yeah. so that I can eat in the car on the way to my gig. Dickie's is acceptable. Yeah. See, um, Tyler, he's the only person you'll meet that actually can remember weird stuff about where he eats in airports. That's true. And we'll tell you a very funny story about the Beverly Hills Hilton, uh, if you have time to, one day. <laughs> um, but I will tell you this. The, uh, the Dickies is at gate C6. So if you're there. <laughs> around and, that time. Yeah. Yeah, around that time. Um, I'll be landing about three o'clock in the afternoon. It's like the perfect time. And I'm like, hey, look, part of the football bet was a barbecue dinner, so we hadn't even kicked off yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't so worry it about be, it. It may be premature. Greg, Greg money in the bank. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, 
Jeffrey, we're we're running up on top of the hour. Tyler probably has us back to back, but uh, cool. tell us what you're doing in the upcoming future. What can we look forward to learning? Uh, what are you concentrating on? Just give us a little snapshot into that that brain. I put together um, a lot of my intellectual property in a group called the Insiders Club. If you go to Gitmer.com, you can. I'm trying to get a group of salespeople. There's a Facebook group, there's monthly coaching, there's master classes that I hold, and it's very inexpensive. And you can join salespeople from all over the world. That's the future. And I'm trying to create this sort of large club so that people can get into it and enjoy themselves instead of feel put upon by some shit trainer that um, is going to tell you to make cold calls. I have a three-word definition for cold call. Waste of time. Bam. There you go. Sold. Sold. I'm sold on that. Well, look, thank you for your, your knowledge drop. It is always so fun to catch up. Absolutely fun to catch up. So, Tyler, take us to the house, son. Let's do this. Well, uh, no, no, no. Hang on one second. Yeah. I'm, coming down, I'm coming down to Delray Beach. We will have uh, breakfast at 2J's. I will have matzo ball soup. We can fight over the check, and you can win. Sweet. <laughs> Somehow I knew that was going to happen. Making plans <laughs> on the podcast. Making plans. Oh, yeah. The next the next time I'm with you, we'll have sushi next door. So there you go. All right, cool. Good stuff. Well, guys, thank you again for uh, another fantastic episode. Uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, uh, our guest today. Jeffrey, thank you again so, so much. Everyone can go to Gittimer.com. That's G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. For more, uh, there he has his courses, his books, uh, all the different things uh, that, that he has created. Go there, follow him on, on, on all the social media platforms, and stay in touch uh, with him and everything he has going on. Greg, it's the, the end of another awesome episode, but we'll be back soon with, uh, with more, yeah? Yeah, we got some really fun stuff coming up, but this one was, was really fun, and, and Jeffrey's always been very gracious with his time. and. Uh, just a, a heck of a guy and I enjoy being with him. So My pleasure. Take care of yourself. Stay healthy, you guys. You as well, buddy. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the program. We appreciate it very much. Stay tuned for more episodes of Straight Out of Crumpton. You can visit us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But until next time, for Greg Crumpton, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for listening.